0: Rising Above Shadows of Abuse podcast. I'm your host, Grace Osborne. Thank you for joining me on this exciting journey. My special guest today is Claire-Louis Chamberlain, the founder of Claire Path Project and at Chamberlain Expressions. Welcome, claire Lewis. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Grace. It's lovely to see you. Same here. I know you are fighting for accessible support for victims and survivors of abuse. And you're leading a coalition of survivor led services with a joint mission to improve professionalism or professional standards, namely in training, guidance, and and governance Mm -hmm. amongst other agencies who, with victims of all forms of abuse, We'll be working closely with you
1: yes yeah that's true so we we founded clear path last year um after i organized the conference so i after lockdown the first lockdown in 2020 and realizing how much more isolated that left victims and survivors and how so many events that raise awareness around this um this stuff were cancelled because of because of coronavirus, um, I, I decided that there needed to be an online resource and that's when I started the ClearPath conference and I invited lots of people from different organisations to speak. Um, and as we were talking about um, the problems, obviously the nature of that is to move towards solutions and then we formed a think tank. And so between myself and the other organisations, such as Yes Matters, HMIC, FRS, the um, Inspectorate of the Constabulary, he spoke at the conference as well. Um, They did a report last year on on police interaction with victims and um, support to report and DAA, the Domestic Abuse Alliance. Um, We we all spoke together at length and then started coming up with a plan. And and that's how Clearpath UK was born. Wow. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell me
0: a little bit more about yourself and why you're so um, passionate about this movement?
1: Of course. So I um, It starts bizarrely in my 30s because I went I escaped my what I'm going to call my final abuser. Um, I escaped them and I signed up to something called the Freedom Programme with Women's Aid, my local Women's Aid. And as I went on this course that was about learning what had happened to me, um, I had three small children, um, two of which weren't even in primary school yet. we we had things happen to them and to me and we were all hurting and I needed to find answers to ways to heal us, basically. And I went to this freedom course and that's where they, the first or second session, they explain what a perpetrator is and they list behaviour traits and things that perpetrators do. And that's when I realised that my father had been my first perpetrator. Um, and, it, and, it, and it's my whole world fell apart at that point because I'd been brought up genuinely believing that my instincts were wrong, that I, I saw things not how reality is, that I had been hysterical, that I, I was a compulsive liar. The isolation, the, the self-doubt and the self-worth issues that I'd had. And that, that had led me directly to be a prime target for abusers. And I also realised in in that course that actually all my life, there'd been a narrative around me that was, oh, she sure can pick them. Why do you always pick horrible men, you know, Claire and all this? And then I realised through doing freedom that actually perpetrators target their victims. Because we do essentially walk around with big signs on us saying that we've been pre-groomed for abuse. And I didn't even know I had been. I didn't know that what had happened to me was abuse because my parents told me repeatedly that it wasn't and that it was me that was the problem. Um, and that's when I realised after having sort of reached out to other survivors and tried to join support groups and everything else. And I realised how many more people this exact same story was happening to and how many young people are in that situation now and are are going to be exposed to this as they get older and at the same time as that i was on a two-year waiting list for mental health support and i look back now and after having started to reach out and share some of the techniques that helped me i i just realized how needed this is and how it's not okay that people are left lost and alone in the dark for two years and there isn't a resource for that and it's not okay that um, victims or witnesses of abusive crimes and assaults are not allowed therapy until after the trial because for fear of them being called coached or coerced witnesses. And so that's when I built the four cornerstones of healing and i provide that workshop for free for any survivor or victim, um, anyone that's been through trauma and abuse who's on the waiting list for support and anyone that's waiting for trial. Um, And I do it through organizations and I do it online uh, on my Facebook and, and everything else. And I'm, I'm driven. I broke the cycle for me and my children. And I am. Um, my drive is to help to prevent anyone else from having to do that in their 30s. For being able to help children grow up with healthy relationship frameworks and understanding that just because somebody says it to you in your house doesn't necessarily mean that that's actually accurate. And actually who you are is perfect and you don't have to grow up feeling like you're flawed in some way. Um, in order to keep other people happy and to let them have control over you. So, yeah, that's that's um why. And, and then you know, as, you, as you're aware around the statistics, the current system is it's it's not working. We have more and more people falling into this trap. The 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 abuse statistics are growing yearly, and it's because it's not being healed, and those traumatized people are going on to have children. I did, I went on to have children and didn't know what I'd been through so I didn't know to protect them from it at all had no clue I entered into a relationship with somebody who was incredibly dangerous and had not a not a clue how to spot that and it should be general knowledge um and and it's just currently isn't at all so that's that's where that's where I come from okay I'm really really
0: pleased with what you've just told me now so you took back your power in essence yeah do you know
1: one of the i've got a publishing deal i'm going to be releasing um, some books over the next couple of years and one of my books is called poison to power and it's about the poison that was poured into me through not only my parents but societal narratives around what what a girl's place is in the world and what and how relationships are formed and and a very toxic notion of in england of um, stiff up a lip keep calm carry on mental health is a weakness we don't air our dirty laundry in public and all this cloak and shadow and darkness thing around abuse which actually it just needs all cracking wide open so we can have a look and actually start to fix it because without acknowledgement there's no solution that's correct you're very very correct
0: about that Mm. so this leads to the next question which is i noticed on your website you've collaborated with a lot of artists musicians and uh, people like um Sarah Tomlinson yes um Sumarai Wilson so do you see art as a form of
1: release for victims and survivors of abuse 100% I have met so when I paint I the painting that you can see behind me is mine I I, I found when I didn't have access to the tools that I've now got I found that the only time that I was at peace was when I had a canvas in front of me and a paintbrush in my hand, you know, hair in a messy bun, meditation music on in the background and painting. And, um, and, and the poems that I wrote, I wrote a lot of poems, a lot of survivors. They've been published in anthologies, they're out there online. And that, that's what Fiona Kennedy, the singer, and Louisa Harris, who wrote the songs for Clear Path, and they base their songs on, on my poetry. They, I, I'm listed as the lyricist on the albums, and it's amazing. Um, but, yeah, absolutely. Creativity, when you produce something that is from the heart and it's yours, it shows you what you're made of. And I think it doesn't matter what someone's called you, however many times you've been put down, if you can create something beautiful, it shows that that's what you are on the inside, regardless of the labels that have been slapped on the outside of you. Yeah. You know. So, yeah, creativity is a release it's a proof of identity it's an expression that's free from judgment and free from abuse and it's a it's a safe space yes so i was cool. gonna say it um connotes
0: safe space where you can be yourself
1: 100 percent, absolutely agree yes sarah's a wonderful artist she's um she's like listed as a girl with many secrets that's her her brand name and she's um, her paintings of all the swirls and things that you see on our website um, she's done some wonderful art and she's been through her own healing journey um, i work with a, a wonderful young artist locally called summer amanda who does workshops for trauma survivors as well fiona louise um uh, amina ravindran is a survivor artist who's, who's really high profile she's donated a full collection of her paintings to Claire paths so we're holding an art auction um just before the summer this year um we're going to be selling her paintings. she's going to be coming and arriving we're going to do art workshops um at Grimsby, Minster actually in northeast Lincolnshire you know when you collect um words out of magazines and paper cuttings then you just yeah. stick you put music on and you stick it to a wall you see what comes out is it like we're a collage? That and we're going to be selling the art yeah like yeah collage? exactly yeah and all of those kinds of of so, Yes, so we're doing a, a creativity healing workshop day um, and an art auction at the end of it to raise funds for Clear Path in, in May this year at Grimsby. So, yeah, that's, and Amina is a wonderful artist. Um, if anyone's listening, she should look her up because she, and she's donated that full collection to us and they're worth thousands each. She's wonderful. Um, yeah, so, yeah, definitely creativity and, and any form of personal expression is paramount to finding who you are and your identity and therefore healing, yeah. What is sexual objectification?
0: How does it impact the lives of people and what can be done about this?
1: So sexual objectification of women and girls, I think one of the prime examples that you can use to prove it exists, because people listening might feel like, um, you know, women aren't seen as objects, we know they're people. And that obviously sounds like something that makes sense. But... When you look at, um, you Google it, Google the word schoolboy and then Google the word schoolgirl and see the difference in the results that come up. And the, you know, your schoolgirl, you are typing in something that should describe a child in education. But it doesn't, that's not the imagery that comes upon a Google search when you type in schoolgirl. You get pornography. You get images um, akin to St Trinian's and, and, you know, and things like that. And lots and lots and lots of sex-based images um, of, of somebody in a school outfit, whether they be young or not young. That's the image. Whereas you type in school boy into Google and you get boys at school. That's literally what you get. You get the definition. And if that isn't proof of the the objectification of, of young children and girls, that... What is? it um, is. We have more complaints to the police control rooms in this country of street harassment and assault at school opening and closing times than we do at any other time of day. And over 90% of those um, complaints, uh, the victim has been female and under the age of 18. You know, it starts when we're incredibly young. And it is, it is a narrative that is very, very deeply ingrained. So it doesn't seem obvious. But when you say that a young girl at school who is directing other people who likes to be like takes a leadership role in a play group and you call her bossy or brash and you have a little boy who does the same thing. And it's always a natural born leader. The, the problem with with our society is that the, thing, the attributes that are wrongly attributed to girls are seen as lesser than or worse and the attributes to boys are higher than and in the end of the day it's that girls are lesser than and and therefore can be owned by and are therefore the gratification of and the pleasure of boys. Um, Another proof of it is that when we when you look at the sexual objectification of women and girls and you look at boys and men's narratives around girls just look at the me too movement. The second that women or girls talk about experiences that they've had at the hands of a male perpetrator, the immediate response is not all men. No one's ever said it's all men. Why? How that response derailed the entire argument is really, really, really paramount to this, because what they're saying is, the reputations and feelings of boys and men matters more than the safety of girls. What well, that also means, if you if you just dig a little bit deeper, it means that girls and women are there for the purposes of pleasing men and boys. Because if we weren't, that that would never have happened through the Not All Men movement. That couldn't have been supported. It wouldn't have worked. Um, and it's you know we're there for for usage. The, the amount of hits that have been on um, unwanted. So there was a unwanted anal penetration pornography video on Pornhub um, in November and it had 6 million hits that's, that's what is being looked at by young men and boys, that's what they're seeing as acceptable porn actresses people put the, the production teams put Vaseline under their eyes so that their mascara leaks so it looks like they're crying because that's what's seen as okay and that's what's being fed into the minds and the eyes of our young people as what's acceptable. Girls gagging on penises on on porn videos and that being the norm and if you don't want to do that then you're a prude. Who is that benefiting? It's not benefiting young girls or young boys to have that narrative in their head, it's damaging them and 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 men who are defensive about this and are like, oh, I understand because there are so many men out there who will have not intended to hurt or traumatise a woman, but through these narratives and through these normalised ideas have done and they feel guilty about it. And so they're incredibly defensive. I'm a nice guy. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt that you're a lovely man and that you've never actually hurt anyone on purpose. But you have to understand that through the media and through pornography and through these narratives, that there's a bar of behavior that's acceptable for men and is not acceptable for women and so we are objects we are a chair or a table to be used and disposed of as and when they see fit and they and it's not overt it's very very deeply ingrained so it's hard to admit for people and i completely get that but it is there the proofs in the statistics so what do you think can be done about this so one of the things that we work on with with our collaborator yes matters um jen is the founder um and we work on gender stereotypes because really harmful and incorrect gender stereotypes are what underpin all abusive behavior it's what underpins misogyny um you know the the fact that they say that um like i just said about little girls and little boys when you talk about Girls are good at sewing and cooking and taking care of babies. Look at toys, the toys available to girls and boys in a toy shop. You go down the pink aisle and the blue aisle. And these stereotypes um, lead to behaviours. Boys outlets are sports and guns and video games where they kill people. That's what is given to them. That's what's provided for them. They're allowed predators and dinosaurs. Girls are allowed unicorns. They're allowed um, cooking, cleaning, housework, children. And through that, there is a, a solution to be had because if, children, if boys were allowed to emotionally process and they were not seen as sissies or less than for crying or talking about their feelings and they didn't only have anger as an outlet, they wouldn't be as aggressive. They naturally wouldn't be as predatory or angry at the world around them. Girls, if they were allowed to be aggressive, if they were allowed to express that as a choice in an emotion, if we were allowed to be assertive without being called bossy um, and make choices, the very fact that boys are called names when they show emotions shows that, that women are seen as lesser than because if you're insulting someone based on exhibiting female traits, that means that being female is insultable. Hmm. So we undo that through courses, through education, through school, and we, you know, a lot of people might say, well, these things need to be taught in the home, and that that would be ideal. But not all homes are capable. Not all people have got the tools and the mindset to be able to deliver this to their children effectively. And there needs to be. It needs to start somewhere. So we, you know, well young people are still forming their idea of the world around them and how it works and the narratives and healthy relationships. School is where we, we start and we undo, we unpick those gender stereotypes and teach boys how to emotionally regulate and process. You know, it just shows male suicide rates, Grace, look at them, look at them. Gender stereotypes, misogyny, abuse culture, all leads to men harming themselves or other people. And it's not a, it's not an ungendered problem. I w- you know, it'd be really lovely for me to sit here and say it was, but it isn't, and, it's, and it, it harms boys. It's actually um, a serious problem. Huge, it's huge, it's, it's, it's pandemic scale. It's across Western society, yeah. So
0: I think it, from what you've just told me, it's paramount that they should have sex education in schools. And also centred around abuse. What is an abuse? What is not a, an abuse? What is acceptable behaviour? And what is not acceptable behaviour?
1: Absolutely. So what we would say is that sex education's already in school and it's about the mechanics, isn't it? It's currently about the mechanics of sex. Fine. And without a more open culture, because that combined with the fact that in England it's not naturally seen it's just not it's, it's it was such prudes it's like we don't talk about sex with our parents and all that sort of thing it's very much a closed closed book of, of shady darkness and so porn becomes young people's educator and so absolutely we need to put better programs in schools. the new gemma h Yes, Matters, helped to write the new pshe which includes consent because consent needs to be taught in schools and it needs to be taught in a real way because informed and enthusiastic consent is the only consent no means no is a completely antiquated phrase because it's already been shown on statistics that people don't say no when someone's attacking them when you're in panic mode when you feel threatened and your life is at risk your number one your verbal responses aren't what they are normally and number two you keep alive you stay alive by doing whatever you need to do with that threat so if that is staying quiet and staying still you know and and 90 percent of um of assaults are done by somebody that you know you know um one in four children have faced sexual abuse or assault by the time they're 16 in this country and um so in yeah in, in education in schools the the sex education really needs to start being called relationship education and it needs to and also there needs to be emotional regulation um yeah safe behavior unsafe behavior um and consent, and, and the understanding fully what consent is, is a huge thing that needs to be taught in schools because no means no isn't adequate. Okay. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help because so many so many rapists say, well, she never said no. You know, in their statement to the police, she never said no. So it wasn't rape. And, and I you know, I would argue that quite a number of those rapists believe that because she didn't say no, it wasn't rape. But it was. So, yeah, absolutely. Education and big, wider, a wider perspective on relationships and not making it just about the mechanics of how a penis goes in a vagina <laughs> would be fantastic.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right then. So um, the Care Act 2014 describes financial abuse to include stolen money from your intimate partner, being defrauded it also includes employment sabotage. So can you
1: talk more about uh, financial abuse? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, six out of 10 um, survivors of domestic abuse have suffered financial abuse within that. Um, And it includes restricting what money you have. So um, if you work It might be that you get your paycheck and your partner wants all of the money transferring to them so that they can pay the bills and then they transfer your money back for your fuel and your allowances and things. And you're basically getting pocket money out of what you work for. Um, They control what you can spend. You might go to the supermarket and they might say, this is your budget. And then if you go over that budget, there's consequences um, for you in the home. It might be that they pick apart every single thing you buy for yourself but they're allowed to go and purchase whatever they want at whatever the price tag is and that's that um there's no discussion around that if you don't feel comfortable talking to your partner um and challenging them on decisions when they challenge you constantly about yours that isn't an even relationship that's not an even playing field it's not safe and it's you know, that's, that's an exhibitor or an example of abusive behaviour. Um, a lot of abusers will leave their ex-partners in debt, so they might leave the home. And um, they've been spending their money on, you know, other things than they should have been, and so the bills in the household that were not paid are left to the person that's still there with the children, the, the you know, the female partner, um, and it might be other examples include things like them um, signing credit card agreements with all your details and stuff, so you don't even know that they, you've got debt in your name, and they've done it all online.
0: Mm-hmm. So they've
1: used your, they've sent off your passport picture and everything else, and you you end the relationship, and then suddenly you've got a bailiff at your door at six o'clock in the morning in an in an armored jacket, and um, and those things those things debilitate victims from recovering because you've been left in such a financial hole after you've left, that it's it's just, it takes years, years to get out of that. And it affects so many, I mean, six out of 10 abuse victims have been financially abused. That's the statistic, it's huge. Mm.
0: Thank you. So I'll be asking you five questions. You have to pick one. I'll give you two words. You pick one and you explain why you oh. prefer that word to the other word oh exciting okay survive or thrive
1: thrive I prefer the word thrive because I mean survival is if, you, if you're talking about Maslow's um hierarchy, hierarchy survival is absolutely, yeah absolutely survival is paramount you can't thrive without survival but um Learning how to thrive and how to really find joy in life and how to really en- embrace yourself is is a great achievement, especially post-abuse. And I think it's something that um everyone deserves the tools to achieve, and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um and I yeah, thrive. Thrive is a word that I love. Yes. Okay. Freedom or justice. Oh. Hmm, freedom. Um. Because I think that justice is a social construct, if I'm honest. I think that there's a narrative and a misconception around us that baddies get bad things happen to them and goodies get good things happen. And, um, you know, perpetrators all go to jail. I mean, we know that's not true. 1.3% of rapists are currently in jail of, from the rape allegations that have been made over the last 10 years. 1.3% convicted um, and, and while justice is important actually freedom to me indicates safety because if you're free then you're safe to be and be who you are and to whatever means that is that's what's most important for everybody to be free of oppression and abuse I think that justice is a great notion but it's never practically implica- implied, is it? It's never actually pl- practically applied. And it doesn't make a difference at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if justice is served on a perpetrator or not. It matters that those that have been affected and those that have the potential to be affected are kept safe and have the ability to be free. That's, I think that's that one for me.
0: So if listeners need to connect with you,
1: how do they contact you? Okay, so I am clare Chamberlain, spelt the way that Grace will put it on the podcast, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I am also on TikTok under the same name. I just do one-minute videos just explaining stuff, giving healing tips and stuff like that. And also you can um, fill in a contact form at clearpathuk.org, and that's the organisation, the collaboration that I run, um, where you can request to sign up for the free Four Cornerstones of Healing workshop. I do it through organisations and for individuals as well. Um, and also you can email me at claire at clairepathconference.org. Claire claire um, so that's me. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Claire, for coming on this show. And I hope we'll be having future collaborations. Yeah, that would be fantastic. It's been lovely, Grace. Thank you so much. Those really interesting questions as well. Thank you. You're welcome. If you've enjoyed this episode,
0: kindly subscribe, leave a review, and comment. See you on our next episode. Bye for now. Bye. For more Rising Above Shadows of Abuse news, head to our Instagram.com page or YouTube.com page forward slash Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. And our email address is is rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com. So interact with us. See you soon. Rising above shadows of abuse podcast with
1: Grace Hoffman.